Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. God calls us to serve him. And uh, after we've been saved, he puts us on a journey that is so exciting and, and God challenges us to be all that we can be for him. And today on Exploring Missions, we're going to see God's story revealed and then God's service given. And uh, when we see that in people's lives, it not only blesses them, it blesses those who have observed it and seen it. Just let me share with you the story that we're sharing with you today uh, has been really close and upfront with me. And uh, I've been wanting to share this and have this opportunity for, for several several years, to be honest. And today, that has become true. This is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper. Nathan, when we talk about missions, we're talking about just God's calls. You know, we, we hear it, a great commission today on the radio. I heard somebody say it's God's great cause. It is God's cause to redeem man, isn't it? Yeah, he, he takes ordinary, uh, average people sometimes who are— uh, in desperate situations, sometimes who are in difficult circumstances, and um, you know he can rescue people. Uh, but then he takes those that are rescued and makes them instruments of his rescue for others. And you know that's what God's mission is: it's it's God using people uh, in other people's lives. And uh, it's great to be able to see it um, from a distance, but when you can see it up close and and no people involved it even means a whole lot more. It really does. And we know there's people in your life probably that need to be rescued. Uh, some of you need to be involved in, <laughs> you know, throughout the lifeline. That, that was an old, old hymn way before you came along, Nathan, okay. throughout the lifeline. And uh, that's, that's what the church is to do. That, we're to throw out that lifeline so people can be rescued because they're drowning and they're in danger of uh, of going into eternity without God. So that's what Exploring Missions is about, is letting you know there's people on the front line that is doing that, and there's hope for you, and there's also a place for you to operate in that realm. That's, yeah. It is amazing who God uses. It is. That's one of the most amazing things in my life that I've observed all these years is who God uses. Yeah, he he created us to be able to use us um, um, between you know our birth, creation, if you will, uh, to the time where he can use us. There, there sometimes is a big journey in in there and difficult uh, road, uh, but you know Jesus is the Savior, He's the Redeemer. Uh, but then, like like we said before, He wants to uh, use us for His glory. Amen. Well, let's get to the point of this uh, interview today. And uh, our our lady who's in the studio with us is Rhonda Ryan. And uh, Nathan and I both have uh, been a part of Rhonda's life. She is my niece. And uh, when I'm around her, I tell folks she's my favorite niece. Uh, 
When I'm not around her, I, I have several favorite nieces, but she thinks she's my favorite anyway, right? Oh, I know that. Okay, okay. I, I'm I, very I, confident in that. And uh, I just got to give you a little bit of history here. Uh, Jenny and I were married, and she was the flower girl in our wedding. That's how far we go back. And uh, so, Rhonda, it is great to have you today. Thank you so much. And uh, Nathan, when we see Rhonda's face today compared to what it was maybe 20 or 15 years ago, we're looking at a new person, aren't we? Oh, yeah. The joy of the Lord is just um, all over her life, and it's just an amazing thing to see what God can do in people's lives. With that in mind, Rhonda, I want you to tell a little bit about your story and uh, you're listening to Exploring Missions, and, and we this is one of the rescues that God's made. Would you just share a little bit about your story before we get to the ministry that you're involved in? Yes, and I think it's awesome that you guys have used the word rescue so many times. Um, I was rescued. God rescued me, and He delivered me, and He ordained me to be here today to talk about why. Um, Not only am I his daughter that he loves and wanted to save my life, but he also wanted to save the lives of many others. And so that is why I'm here today. Um, So I began began drinking um, alcohol very early in my life. I was introduced to alcohol when I was 12 years old. And the crazy thing about that year was... um, I had made a profession of faith at 12 years old. In fact, I did that at Calvary Baptist Church. Here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh Uh-huh, and you were doing a revival that week. And I do remember the Lord touched my heart, and I was very excited to uh, go up front and and profess my faith and um, really desired to be uh, with Him and know Him. However, that took a turn. Um, my parents divorced when I was 12 as well, and um, I was introduced to my first drink of alcohol all in the same year. If that doesn't show you John 10, 10, you know, um, there was a purpose and a plan, but I had to go through some things to get where I am today. So um, just began drinking, um, you know, it, not every day at that point, of course. It was just social drinking, drinking with my friends. And over the course of time, um, I developed alcoholism. And um, it got to the point in my late 30s that I didn't want to drink anymore, but I didn't know how to stop. And it became um, deadly for me. Um, I... Every night for several nights, for a couple of months, I would, I would say, I began to pray to the Lord. I would wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning devastated that I had not been able to quit drinking that day because I got up every morning thinking I was going to. And every night I would pray to the Lord, please save me. Um, and I asked him, I, I, I didn't want to end my life, but I didn't want to live anymore. And I wanted him to just bring me to heaven. I was just, it's a battle, isn't it? At that point in time. It was terrible. And I didn't yeah. know how to get out. I was captive, you know, to, to this addiction. And so I prayed and I was, Lord, it's like I gave him the choice. Bring me to heaven or save me here. 
I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Help me. And um, so one night I drank to the point of really my son found me in my room. Uh, He says I was dead. Um, There was no life in me. I was turning blue. He had our neighbor come over um, and give me mouth to mouth. And um, they brought me back to life. And I was taken to the hospital in an ambulance. And I remember there's only one thing that I remember about that trip to the hospital was my son was in the back of the ambulance with me. And he was holding my hand and I looked at him and he said, Mom, I'm only 17 years old and I need you so bad. And I know that he is the one that I gave life really began. He gave life back to me with that statement. And the next day, he actually took me to a rehab in Oxford, and um, I went to sleep that night, and I woke up. This is Oxford, Mississippi. Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah, this nationwide, so we're making it yes. so everybody can understand, yes. So I woke up the next day, and the taste of alcohol was completely taken out of my mouth. I was. I did not know um, the word delivered at that time, but I was delivered completely and totally. And I woke up and I was so excited. I was completely restored, renewed, redeemed, and I didn't know those words either. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew who saved me. I knew who had rescued me. And I had an overwhelming fire inside of me and desire to know the Lord. I knew he was my savior. I knew I had prayed to him and I knew he had answered my prayer. I was so excited. I don't even know if my feet were touching the ground as I walked through the day. Um, Everybody, I used to joke because the people at the rehab, when people would come in to the program, they thought I worked there. Because I was the greeter. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Well, let, let's, let's do this disclaimer. Okay. Rhonda's personality is some, similar to her uncle's. Yes. Uh, <laughs> don't meet a lot of strangers. And when we meet them, we want to get to know them. And so, amen. So you were the greeter. <laughs> I was the greeter. And um, I knew, I knew deep in my heart that I would never drink again. Um, I didn't go around announcing that to everyone because I knew that my walk would prove that and I didn't have to, you know, give lip service to that, that God was just doing a work in my life daily. And so I actually came back from rehab um, to West Jackson Street Baptist Church. That's here in Tupelo where mm, I was pastor. Where you were pastor and that's why I came there. I was going to go hear my Uncle Bert. (laughs) And so um, I got really involved in the church and... um, Lo and behold, another miracle of God, Celebrate Recovery, was part of the church. And um, even though I felt like I didn't really need a recovery program because I felt delivered. um, It's still a place of encouragement. Well, I felt like the Lord, I I felt like he was calling me there. Mm -hmm. Let me say a word about that. Uh, That Celebrate Recovery started because of my wife hearing about it. And my wife came from a home where alcohol her dad, uh, alcoholic, and desertion, and she had a heart for that, so many family members. And uh, so God used someone who was not addicted to the alcohol but had observed others and desired to bring that into our church so it would help not just those addicted to alcohol but any other habit or hang-up or addiction they had. And so 
it's don't think that you got to go through that in order to help others. You know, you can be clean and sober and be sober all your life and still be ready to help those that need help. And so you came to celebrate recovery. I did. And um, I I remember the next morning, you know, I, I was just learning that God truly does speak to us. And. Um, the first time I really heard the Lord was in rehab. Um, I remember because this was my second rehab treatment um, facility or it was the same facility, but it was my second time. And I remember I was sitting in a noon meeting and I was excited. But then all of a sudden I realized that I was in the same place with the same people doing the same program. Oh, God, how is this different? You know, it scared me a little bit. And I heard in my spirit, I heard you're different this time. I started squalling. I was just, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm different this time. It's really gonna, you know. I was just so excited. And so, the second time that I knew the Lord was speaking to me was the Saturday morning after I visited Celebrate Recovery. I thought, well, I don't really need this. And I heard the Lord say, "You go back. Others will need you." Yeah. So I heard it so clear. I'll never forget where I was, what I had on. And I ran into my living room and I called my Aunt Jan and I said, Jan, I've got to go back to Celebrate Recovery, but I don't want to just go and be a participant. I want to go and I want to be part of it. I want to serve. And she gave me, who is now my best friend, Tanya Jocelyn's phone number. And I called her and I said, hey, um, my uncle is Bert, and I came last night and met you, and I want to be a part of your program. And she was like, girl, I'll meet you for coffee right now. <laughs> now, we're talking about two personalities that are out there getting together. It's kind of scary when you think about that. We <laughs> became good scary, best good scary. friends, yeah. <laughs> and we served, and I served there for a couple of years every Friday night. And it was, it was amazing, and it was— I want to ask you this. Being saved— and then serving. They kind of go together, don't they? They do. Now, you, you, you may not be teaching a, a theological class, but you're there to serve. I, I, I met a lady one time that she got saved. The only thing she'd ever done was have babies and, and raise babies. And she said, I got saved, so I volunteered for the nursery because I knew I needed to do that, but I knew I needed to serve. And I say this to those who are listening. Uh, you don't have to be in the four walls of the church. It may be helping someone out there, but you need to get involved. If you really want to be all that God wants you to be, you'll find a place of service. We're servants, aren't we? Absolutely. And he's always equipping us for something greater all the time. So I didn't know that then, but I know now looking back that everything that I did was a stepping stone to get where I am today. God doesn't waste anything, Rhonda. He doesn't waste nothing. Ever. And, you know, I feel like I just want people to, first of all, know him. You know, it's it's seeking him first. So it's always first a relationship with him. And then he shows you the way. And it should be exciting and full of life to know that we were all created for a purpose. And so everything that we do, it lines up with whatever he's created us to be. Amen. I know he rescued me today to rescue others. And when you said about, you know, Aunt Jan, she wasn't an alcoholic, but she was still called because of what she saw. Well, what I've been called to has never happened to me. But my diligence and determination and obedience to God 
uh, to keep knowing him more and more and more. And one, in fact, that's when I tell the story of how I was called into this uh, ministry that I'm in now. Are you ready for that? I am ready. We want to read some scriptures. And I think you had a scripture, and that might be a good introduction for us to go into what we're doing. Let me just share with you where God's brought Rhonda to. You're listening to Exploring Missions. Bert Harper, Nathan Harper, along with Rhonda Ryan. And Rhonda, um, you've come here today and shared your testimony, how God has delivered you, rescued you, brought you out of that horrible pit, out of that miry clay, mm-hmm. and he set your feet on a rock, and he's given you a song in your heart. Although you don't sing, it sings loud. And so God brought you step by step into a ministry that you're involved in. Here's the name of the ministry. It is One Breath Street Ministry. One Breath Street Ministry, 501c3, and you're involved in this. And uh, tell us, a well, rescue, first of all, I want to read this scripture. Nathan's going to read it. It's Psalm uh, 80, uh, uh, 35.10. Yeah, read that one. Psalm 35.10. My very bones will say, Lord, who is like you? Rescuing the poor from one too strong for him, the poor or the needy from one who robs him. And you're involved in helping those that have been robbed. Yes. Those. Another scripture is Psalm, is it 82 verses 3 and 4? Yes, yeah, Psalm 82. Yeah, uh, 3 verse. and 4. These, these scriptures are very loud and strong. Would you share those, Nathan? Provide justice for the needy and the fatherless. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and needy. Save them from the hand of the wicked. Save them from the hand of the wicked. What we're talking about, tell us a little bit about One Breath Street Ministry and what God's led you to, Rhonda. Well, I want to start by saying I was so grateful to the Lord for saving my life. And I desperately, desperately wanted to give back to him. And so it was 2015, and I was having an amazing morning with the Lord. And I was asking him, you know, it says in Jeremiah 29, 11 that he has a plan for us. It also says to know that plan, you have to seek him and seek him with all of your heart, and he will be found by you. Well, I have to say, and whenever I'm writing scripture, I love the word all, always capitalize it, okay? The whole thing, every bit of it. I was literally worshiping him and praising him with all of my heart. And I threw my hands in the air and I said, Lord, what can I do for you? And there was a voice that came from inside of my spirit that said, go get my daughter's. And when I heard that voice, I had a vision of a woman sitting on a curb. She had long, dark hair, and I knew, I discerned in my spirit that she was a prostitute and she was a drug addict. And right at that time, now this is all happening together. I hear the, the voice, I see the vision, and then my heart begins to grieve in a way that I had never felt before. And he showed me that is my daughter and I love her and I want you to go get her and I want you to bring her back to me. And I could not stand up straight. My heart grieved so much and I knew that it was not my heart. 
my mind, you know, when you grieve over something that you've lost, you know that it's close and dear to you. But this was not connected to my mind. This was my spirit grieving over God's daughters. So what he was doing was breaking my heart for what broke his. And so I cried for about two hours. I was ready to go to my job and quit. And I didn't know what that looked like. And I thought, okay, I got to quit my job. I got to go out in the street and just raise my hands in there and daughters (laughs) come here. But I knew that I had a mentor and she said, Rhonda, you've been commissioned for a purpose. You don't have to run out and quit your job. He'll bring it all to you. He'll show you the way. So after that incredible encounter with the Lord, um, that evening, I was still just in awe over what he had said to me. Didn't really know what it meant. I had never seen trafficking statistics. I did not even know what trafficking was. I didn't know the word. I didn't know anything about it. I literally did not start this ministry because of what I had seen or heard. It was literally because it was God's heart. And I said, yes. So that evening after this great encounter with him, I felt like I was supposed to get up the the next morning really super early and go to the word. And so I got up the next morning. He didn't give me clear direction on where to go in the word. So I literally grabbed my Bible off of my nightstand. I opened it up randomly and just sat it down on my bed and this is what it said. This Isn't sounds it? so much like your Aunt Jan that <clears throat> it's kind of scary. Uh, when my wife needs a word, she says, I know you don't teach it. I, you say that's not the way to do it, but that's how God does it with me, opening his word and letting him speak. And he did it. Read that verse, Rhonda. This jumped off the pages. Yeah, I know. It does. It's highlighted now, but it was not then. <laughs> and it says... My eyes, now let me remind you, I'm bawling my eyes out, right? And it's the Lord's heart. My eyes overflow with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eyes flow and do not cease without interruption till the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. My eyes bring suffering to my soul because of all the daughters of my city. And so God gave you that verse after after the vision, after the heart of worshiping him. So if I did not, it's like, you know, you have these great encounters and you're like, Lord, was that really you? And he confirmed it. The daughters of my city. He said, go get my daughters. I will never forget it. I've had many beautiful, wonderful encounters with the Lord, but never Never like that one. Well, I want to make sure we get this in. Time will move on. So God brought you to the point, started working with individuals, and it opened up to a ministry. And you had, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. And as your mentor said, God will bring it to you. Yes. He has brought it to you. And now you're involved in rescuing women who've been involved in sex trafficking. And you're involved in it, helping them. Uh, find a safe place. Yes. Tell us a story that would help us to understand what this involves. So I won't go into detail because it's too long, but we have been, um, God introduced us to law enforcement and um, we made connections with long-term treatment facilities, safe houses for these women to be able to go and heal from the trauma that they've endured. 
So we will get phone calls um, from law enforcement to advocate for these women. They may find them in jail. Uh, I've 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 been in every jail around that you name it. I've been there. Um, also, we have picked some up at motels. We do motel outreach as well. Um, so recently, uh, a girl called me. She was actually in a city not too far from here. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, she called me. And because we, we encounter women, and they're not always ready. I mean, it's like six or seven times is the average before they're really ready to come out of the life. So what we try to do is establish relationship with them and just love on them as, as Jesus would. And so um, this woman I had encountered before, so she had my phone number. So she called me from a convenience store. It was actually um, in Sanatobia. Mississippi. Mississippi. Uh-huh. And she called me crying, screaming, scared for her life. Um, we got her to Tupelo, and uh, just last Friday, I took her to a safe house in Alabama. Because we have connected with safe houses all over, um, Alabama, Kentucky, Mississippi. There's only one safe house in Mississippi. I also want to say this. Um, we need more safe houses, but we also... Um, I know that I am not called to be in a uh, long-term treatment facility. I'm boots on the ground. I'm frontline response rescue, that first touch. Um, So I just knew that I was to get a woman from the street to safety, if that meant straight from her trafficker, straight from the motel, or straight from the um, jail. And I noticed that when I would get them there, a lot of them would not stay. They would go back to their trafficker. And I began to pray, Lord, how can I help them be more successful when I get them there? And I noticed that the longer I had with the woman, the longer she would stay. So we visited a crisis center, stabilization center in um, Atlanta, Georgia, and it was a 30-day program called Crisis Stabilization Unit to where the woman could come and then you prepare her for her next step. So we are in the process of building. We're going to try to figure out how all this is going to happen. It's a long story itself as well. But we want to build a crisis center where we can bring the women and love on them from two to thirty, two weeks to 30 days before we take them to a safe house. So it's 87% more successful if they go through a program like that first. And we would be the first crisis center in Mississippi. Amen. And that's one of the reasons the timing of you being on Exploring the Missions is real. One Breath Street Ministries involved in that. You're talking to people. You're meeting with people in the process of seeing this happen. And uh, can people, do you have a website or a contact uh, uh, number or not? I wouldn't say your number, but can they get in touch with you some way, Rhonda? Yes. So right now we're working on our website because we just launched six months ago. And so we are working on that so they can uh, go on Facebook, One Breath Street Ministry, and they can message me. Okay. One Breath Street Ministry, O-N-E, Breath Street Ministry, Facebook, and they can talk to you or get in touch with you and you can get in touch with them Yes, and they can be a part of this. Nathan, this is exciting to see this girl, the way she was and where she is. I would call it a miracle of God. Yeah. God's doing miracles every day to take people off the street, put them into safety and to take people out of their pew and put them on the street (laughs) to do some work, you know? Yes. We're all called, even just if it's prayer. 
We want to pray for you, Rhonda, and we want to pray for One Breath Street Ministry that God would have his way front-line rescue of human traffic. God can make a difference. Thank you, and you can make a difference today as well.